0: Today, we have David Vos on the show. He's the VP of Risk Management at Archer. So if you've ever shopped around for GRC software and Archer's probably on your list, that is the Archer we're referring to. And he has a very interesting background. Usually we just say, oh, he's the VP of Archer or VP of Risk Management at Archer. That's usually enough, but David's background is pretty nuts. So he got his uh, degree in physics and then he got a master's of science in oceanography tried to be an oceanographer went down in the water got sick and decided "Mm, probably not for him and so he went on to become a professional photographer moved to new zealand and while doing photography got into risk management somehow so he's doing photography at night risk management during the day uh in New Zealand moved back to the UK and decided to write a book on risk management there was only uh a handful if that at the time so he wrote wrote a book and it kind of caught on amongst the risk management folks and so he has been doing risk management ever since and if you look at his LinkedIn profile there is uh when he's when he first got into risk management from 87 to 89 it says in the description that he introduced risk analysis into the corporate decision making. And then it says, introduced it to myself at the same time. So he kind of learned as he went along. So on the show, David talks about the three main scenarios every auditor should keep in mind while assessing risk. Uh, also talks about the need for a statistics background in order to truly understand risk management and the negative impact risk maturity has had in audit. David is also speaking at RAW 2021, which if you listen to the episode with Alex Ciderinko, it's the conference that he hosts. There's about 5,000 folks that attend. Um, There's speakers every day. It's a five-day conference. It starts this week, and they actually show you what they're doing. So there's not a ton of slides. It's, hey, we're gonna pull up the screen and show you how to actually do this stuff. So I think that's very interesting. Can highly recommend uh, attending that. There'll be a link in the show notes. Also, I think you get three sessions for free. So you can sign up and uh, check out at least three sessions for free. Uh, I know Norman Marks is one of the speakers. There's a name that a lot of the uh, internal audit folks should recognize. So uh, really good episode. Uh, really appreciate David's time. And uh, here we go. So you're the VP of risk management at a risk management software company, right? Yeah. What yeah. are you doing? How how involved are you with the product side of Archer? Oh, a lot. Okay, yeah. so so is is are you doing more um, product side as opposed to actually um, like a cro of the organizations that are or you play both roles or like yeah how does no that
1: no work? no 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 um I I'm you can almost say that I'm the I oversee the evolution of the Archer product to be more about changing risk management from what is in this sort of um, the GRC world. Risk management has been a lot about um, compliance and auditing and checking that Mm -hmm. your risk management is being done well. But if you look at the origins of risk management, um, it's about managing risks and why do we manage risk well, we, so that we do things better so mm-hmm. you know things don't come out of left field and scupper all our hopes and dreams and so risk management really is meant to be a strategic tool a, a, a way to help guarantee that you go in the direction you want to be going it's not the, the auditing part i mean that's all very important i mean like if you have your strategic goal you have your strategy for, for it. You look at all the risks that could, could get in your way. Then you try to reduce those risks. You you kind of want to make sure that once you've got that plan for reducing risk, somebody's actually carrying it out. Mm-hmm. So the auditing part is very important because we want to know that people are carrying out our our, strategy, our strategies. Um, and how, it, how it's gone is that it's almost been like uh, the... One started in the sort of GRC platforms with the with the risks and the treatments, but not thought about the actual purpose of the risk management in the first place. It's just it's process driven. We've got to make sure the controls are in place and mm-hmm. the governance is there. Um, so I'm trying to take all of that good stuff, but then bring it back to Strategic goals and and business success, and and that's become progressively more important because you know the the the, what's in the past success was really all about money, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, so all the risks were monetary, possible financial losses here and a fine there and everything, but you know we're rapidly coming to the conclusion that there are Bigger risks out there in the world than, than just money. You know, we've got environmental risks, and we'll have um, social discord that will come out of the environmental problems that we have. You know, overpopulation of our planet. And so there is an area that business is getting into right now, um, and I feel rather late, but better late than never. Um, and it's called ESG: environmental and social governance. So this is. It will be another good, um, another reg- regulatory driven thing, but with with good things in mind, like you know, go ahead and make profit, but don't screw up the planet in the meantime and ruin people's lives, and you know, etc. etc. and And I'm hoping um, that that um, the the new products we're developing in Archer, I'm hoping that they will help people achieve that. You know so they can do that balancing better mm-hmm. we we don't want to screw up the environment we don't want to disenfranchise populations and have diaspora all over the place we want and we still want to make some money so uh, I, I'm hoping that the, the system we've got and the, the mass I've developed behind it again back to the mass it allows you to create those balances a, a lot more
0: yeah I think what's interesting I know there's um I think it was U.S. Steel. I can't recall who it was, but you know, it's always kind of in, law, in line with ESG um, and, and EHS, or they kind of play together in a, in a uh, to a degree. And um, looking at health and safety, they had—I can't remember when this was. It was in a book I read. They had a, uh, a new CEO that came in, and he was pounding the table, and you know, it's safety, 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 and everybody just kind of rolled their eyes, like, "Yeah, we get it. It's about safety. It's always about safety," you know, because that's what everybody would say it's all about safety. And then this, this CEO came in. was like, no, seriously, it's about safety. And this is how we're going to make it work. And um, of course, like their incidents went way, way down, deaths went down and um, actually profits went up because of that um, because of various reasons, but like, that was his one thing. And because of that, uh, it actually made the entire organization better and more profitable. So I think it's interesting if, if people take that approach and how, uh, the impact that it could actually have financially could still be a positive, depending on maybe if you have the the right leadership in place there. But um, I'm certainly not an ESG expert. I feel like
1: oh, I, nobody I, is. I, well, I,
0: feel like, I feel like I woke up. I feel like I woke up one day, and then it was just like everybody was talking about ESG, and it's like, what is this? So yeah, and I think that's still being out. figured out. To be honest, um, yeah.
1: we we don't really um, we, we have ideas of what it should be you know, like minimize your water consumption, electricity consumption, pollution, et cetera, et cetera. But depending on the organization, what you do, you know, there are a hundred different measures. You could you could value your, um, your environmental side. And then there are many measures for the social. Like even, for example, in the social, if you, if you were a company that holds a database of um, uh, data, personal data that would identify people, then that's part of ESG. The risk that that those data end up in the wrong hands and people's um, identity is stolen and yeah. that can really ru- ruin their lives. So that's part of the S in the ESG. So it, it's not just for you know mining companies. It's for in different ways. It's for everybody. Yeah, it's, yeah.
0: That's a that's a good example. I'm gonna I'll I'm gonna use that example for sure for the S as I try to understand it more and explain it to other folks. But um, let me ask you this. There is, so in risk management, it basically seems like you need a, um, like a stat background. Uh, I know you have the physics and the math background and the importance of that and, and um, evaluating risk or measuring risk. In internal audit, that it's pretty unreasonable that every audit department would have that um a, a resource like that i know larger organizations definitely do um i was talking to somebody and they're like yeah we have a couple of quants and i was like that's incredible you have that in your internal audit uh department but for the folks that don't which is the large majority um that don't have that strong math stats background what can we do to better um perform risk assessments
1: okay well the first thing i'd like to say is that um When I studied maths and physics, I didn't understand statistics at all, and and I'm I'm not that dumb, Um, but I just didn't get any of it, any any of it. I think it's like the worst taught subject in in engineering or science, really. And I'm not alone. talked to many really great scientists. And when it comes to statistics, they just go over the top Mm -hmm. of their head. I don't understand. And you can see it in a whole bunch of um, scientific papers, you can look at them go, Oh, my goodness, that is just awful. (laughs) Got it completely wrong. So um, I first first thing is, um, forgive yourself if you don't understand statistics, because um, there are very few people who do. Um, um, And when so, okay, we got that. Um, I would say the next bit is that if the mathematics that you need for risk, um, for describing risk, is actually really simple. And I know that people go, yeah, but you've done it for 30 years. and you know, yeah, but, Of course, it's easy to you. Yeah. Of, course. <laughs> if, of course, it's easy for you. Yeah, but it is easy. Um, I think... I could, well, not I think, I have. I have taught people in one day all of the mathematics and the statistics that they, let's just say the mathematics that they need to be able to do basic risk analysis. And the way I see it, you know, there are there are three components to risk. There is the scenario, the thing that, th- that might happen, you mm-hmm. know, um, there's ice on the road, and you, you car crashes, and then you know you, you break your nose or something. There's that the scenario, and then you have the impact, you know broken nose, ow, um, going to hospital, don't get to work that day, etc. Um, and then there's a the likelihood. Uh, those three components. Now I think we all intuitively can build the story, and in, in fact that's one area where I think it's we're really at fault in risk management is we talk, we don't think about we don't ask ourselves why does this happen when might it happen to whom does it happen how could it happen um so we we we're already quite negligent about this the story and there are techniques for doing that really visual useful techniques bow tie diagrams is a very nice way of simplifying and at the same time explaining describing um helping communicate um different risk scenarios so um there I think we're, we're a little, uh, uh, we fail. And then if you look at the second one, which is impact, um, the magnitude of the impact, I think we fail again. So if you, health and safety, you know, you're talking about that, um, that CEO, uh, was it U.S. Steel? I think, it's, I think so. Yeah, and so what is the, if you have an accident, what is the impact? Um, well, the impact could usually, could be anywhere from a person has a scratch to several people Mm die, You know, there's a hell of a range there. And of course, it becomes more and more unlikely as you get to more extremes. You know, it's unlikely 100 people would die, very unlikely, and a bit more likely one person died. But really, the most likely scenario is that somebody gets a scratch in general. So we we need to describe that with a distribution already. uh, and so uh, we haven't talked about mass here at all, but I'm talking about trying to be realistic about stuff. Like that already, if um, an audit, auditor was to look at it, and go, well, what are you saying as a scenario? Well, isn't that rather extreme? You know, you, you're saying, the, you're estimating that 10 people are gonna die. Isn't that like the absolute worst case scenario? Shouldn't we have a range in there? Mm-hmm. I think you immediately can do that. Um, so at first, mass is easier than you imagine. Can um, learn it in a day, uh, but on the likelihood side, so that, that third component, just take the day to go learn it. You know, it's it's not. I, I feel that like if you're doing risk and you you're ignoring that third one, the third component, you kind of miss the boat here. Um, <laughs> it's your job. If you if you're if you're an auditor specializing in risk, mm-hmm. it's your job to know at least something about the three the three components that make up risk. So. Um, just don't be afraid about it, I would say. Um, not hard. Uh, and and I w- one more thing is you know, it, I don't suppose that in auditing, one audits um, everything in isolation. You probably need to talk to experts yeah. in each field. I mean, you don't go into chemical plant and assume you're going to know everything about that chemical plant. You know, you talk to the people and get their opinion. Why not talk to somebody who? does have some mass background just bring them in to say can you check this that seems like a reasonable uh, scenario to me yeah yeah
0: well it, yeah and in and the, and the standards uh that most follow it says if you don't have basically it says if you don't have the skill set bring in somebody that does and a lot of people are hesitant just because uh, we don't want to work with a vendor we don't want to bring somebody else in we don't want to pay the budget you know all that kind of uh everything that kind of goes with that but it, it literally says if you like, and usually the use case is um, something IT related. Cybersecurity is obviously a big deal right now. So it's very unlikely that you're going to have a cyber expert in your uh, audit organization, uh, your audit department, go bring in somebody to to help you build out the plan or execute on it or whatever. So um, as a uh, consultant myself, I'm a big fan of that. And I, I do believe it. Um, you know, I look at, Um, I work with folks in their, uh, analytics within internal audit, and I'll see these teams that have maybe an analyst, a full-time data analyst, which is still kind of rare, um, or a few of them. And there's no strategy. There's no, you know, there's no, they don't, they just have them out there. And so, um, I come in and and help, uh, try to build that out and, and execute it on some degree. So, um, I'm a fan of that. Speaking of, as a, well, let me ask you this before I do that. Uh, what you said you could teach the math in a day. Are there obviously, um, it would be fantastic if there was a way collectively the, the risk world could, um, get that from you. I don't know how realistic it is. If you have any aspirations of, uh, putting together a course or anything, but if not, are there resources you could point us to, to help get there? You
1: you know, um, Most books um, on risk analysis, they tend to, mine included, by the way, they tend to um, have an awful lot more in there than you need. Like my last book was 720 pages. The last 150 had to be written in really small time. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise you couldn't fold the book properly. Yeah, (laughs) The spine would break. Um, Yeah. So I, yeah, it's, you know, you, you're asking a really good question because I I, I would... You, there are a few books out there which are really simple, but I think even those, they include too much. Mm. You know, you've got a very good point. I think I should just go and write something on LinkedIn, post it. This is what you need to know. I have kind of written some of that, but just do one six in, little um, two or three page PDF, download this, and you're good. That
0: would be fantastic. All right. You set me a task. Hey, everyone. Thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at Board, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. Board's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit risk and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Let me ask you this. It's a, a, one of my kind of go-to questions. It's become one of my favorites. What's a commonly held belief in risk management that you passionately disagree with? Oh.
1: <laughs> um, risk maturity.
0: Hmm.
1: I just hate this.
0: Is that is it, that like a, a maturity model? Like everybody has a maturity model now for everything. Everybody's got a maturity model. Um, so the,
1: the, the there's a, a, um, a friend of mine, well, a friend of mine, colleague of mine, um, called David Hilson He in fact in, he invented this risk maturity idea. And he's mortified that it's being completely bastardized um, into this sort of risk maturity journey, mm-hmm. you know, and he never intended that, that one would say, oh, are you sufficiently mature to be able to do this or that? It's just, right, you know, am I maturing enough yet to multiply or add numbers together? I mean, where's the sense of this? You know what? What does it? What does it mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so w- what I find is a, um, it it's if we're really honest, um, this is something that has suited a lot of people. Um, so it's got long legs because, for example, the large financial consultancy firms have been able to sell sell you. Um, a risk maturity test and a risk maturity program and a process we'll go through. We need to establish this and this and this and this, and at the very end, very end, then we'll get down to numbers. But they can sell, you know, a big wad of uh, consultancy hours yeah. before you ever get to, and we never get to that because it's like the end of the road. Yeah. We, you know, the end of the yellow brick road. Yeah. So. Uh, and then you've got the GRC vendors who historically have not had any numbers in their software systems. So they don't want to start going, well, you know, you really should use it. They'd be like, no, no, way down the line, you mm-hmm. should think about using numbers. I, and so in every which way, I, I, I hate it. There is, In fact, if, you, if anybody um, listen to this and thought, would like to look at it, I have an article about this on LinkedIn. Um, where, where I went into one of the um, risk maturity tests. Um, you would fill in a form online and you would say, oh, you know, how good are you with this and this and that, you know, zero to 10 scale. And, you know, people are always a little bit modest. So you don't give yourself 10 out of 10 for everything. But if you give yourself nine out of 10, so you're really, you're fairly bright green. You're not the brightest, brightest green, but you're certainly not orange or brown or red. So pretty green, 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 all the way down. And then you get the result and it goes, oh, you're orange. (laughs) How did I get to be orange when I put everything as green? And it's just pure marketing campaign, this particular thing to trust and say, oh, you're not very mature. Don't worry about the quantification yet. Um, Just And basically it was one of the software vendors built this thing to, to position their software as a solution that would be best suited you. Um, so, yeah, an awful lot of nonsense behind it. If you're not mature enough to add numbers together yet. Um, well, I can only tell you that my six year old son, <laughs> so um, exactly. yeah. he can do, uh, yeah, I was just hearing him seven plus three, he can get that. is yeah. seven plus three is 10. So
0: yeah, that is mature say. enough. I was gonna say, and you saw my three-year-old earlier. Um, he knows enough to know that if it's Wednesday, he's gone to school for three days, and he has two more days of school. Like he can do some simple math. He's mature enough to do that. So, yeah, exactly.
1: My son, um, a year and a half ago, was counting back from fifteen, twenty, counting backwards because it was very much in in his favor to do so. He was counting down the days until his birthday so nice. he taught himself oh, <laughs> yeah before he wake up in the morning and go oh 13 days to go daddy because yesterday it was 14 now it's one yeah. less 13 yeah so yeah. yes you i i absolutely loathe this um, idea of risk maturity please um, and i i strongly discourage any of the people i work with to talk about risk maturity i mean it is it all it has an implied um insult to me you know, if you, you, that means you're immature. And to be frank, if you've got a company of several thousand people, there must be somewhere in there somebody who understands numbers. Mm-hmm. Must be. Yeah. <laughs> if not, hire one. Yeah. <laughs> you mess it up. And even engineering companies will 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 say to themselves, "We're not sufficiently mature to go quantitative." I mean, they're building incredible things with numbers. Um, you, they're not using red, orange, and green yeah. to, to build their engines or whatever. So, yeah, that would be, that's my pet hate if you were to say, ask me anything.
0: Yeah, Okay. Uh, I laughed when you were talking about, um, we'll just call it the impact consultants have on this kind of thing. There was a um, client of mine that had an 80-page deck for their internal audit roadmap to analytics. There's three people on the team and there's this 80-page deck from um, from a consultant and by year four, they were going to be at this this level. And um, I was talking to them, and I was like, "If you give me eight weeks, I'll put that in place." You know, <laughs> like, yeah. you don't need four years to get to that point. I was like, "I can do it." In- maybe the consultant needed the four years of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure that the thousands of dollars just to put that deck together also um certainly worked in their favor but i was just like uh maybe i'm doing this wrong is it supposed to take four years to get to this point um but what anyway a, what
1: a boring life if you have to do that though eh? yeah 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 i think getting in and getting out honestly trend uh that's um getting in solve the problem get the satisfaction of it out the door and uh, everybody's happy i think that's a much more uh, fruitful life to be living
0: Yeah. Yeah. And with that, I mean, I could understand if Somebody goes, yeah, but you don't make the money. Yeah. But if you have that person that you've done that for as a reference, then, and they're probably going to bring you back anyway. So I agree. I like to uh, take that approach uh, as well. So speaking of uh, as a consultant, what, what gap are you filling in risk management?
1: Um, I feel a few, Um, but first of all, uh, First of all, is teaching and training people. Um, I always like I like that a lot, and I'm reasonably good at it because because you and the way I like to teach and train is I get people to solve problems, like really simple problems, and just get them to have a look and try and solve them. And you see, you, I like to see how they're thinking, and you know, little tweaks. And most people are pretty intelligent. They just if you think of the mathematics of it as a language, um, the you just have to teach them a few basic words so you know you can order a cup of coffee but um so i would the the mass is just the simple bit the what's the interesting bit and what really gets people's eyes lighting up is when they start thinking creatively everybody likes to do that one way or another there's something that you're doing whether you're trying to fix you know your son's bicycle or whatever yeah i know how to do this you know Mm -hmm. ding so i i I spend a lot of my time um, when I'm training trying to get people to think a little bit. And, and I, I find that's very rewarding for everybody. So I I feel I do a lot of that. Um, I also, I really like solving problems, especially if I can do it very quickly. Mm -hmm. I like solving problems that no one's been able to solve. Um, So I did, I solved a problem for, a tobacco company was looking at how to um, to assess different uh, carcinogens. And they'd have several PhDs on it for, I'm, I'm bragging now, but they had several PhDs on it for quite a while. And then I came along and did my stuff and they're like, "Oh, <laughs> how I've oh, that, But it's just because I think in a different way. So yeah. um, if you just bring that thinking, they have all of the the knowledge about the particular area, but I spent a f- just a few weeks running through papers and and I, I've done all sorts of crazy things. I did a, a very nice um, bit of analysis for, you know, wind turbines, right, out to sea. And when you you have engineers that go out there and they have to maintain the turbines, so you have to you know, take them on a little speedboat and they have to go, these turbines are ridiculously tall. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can be quite dangerous, you know. It's in a very hostile environment, and there's a lot of electricity running, et cetera, et cetera. So I had to do this analysis, or was asked to do this analysis by um, this company, to figure out what, how long it would take to get to an engineer who is in trouble, mm-hmm. um, given the helicopters that they have in place, and given the little ship and the speedboats and things, and that depended on. The wind and the wave height, and and also and the location of the engineer versus the, all the different assets. So I, I ran this simulation model and figured out the, the com- combinations that would provide them with the you know acceptable level of response time. I, mean, I love that I love that sort of stuff because not only is it interesting, but I also think yeah um, I probably help wind turbines, um, be safer. Yeah. you know, um, People engineers not die because they couldn't get the first aid or whatever. I, these things um, I enjoy a lot. Um, I do a bit of advising executives. Um, so it's a common thing in risk management. The people I, I, I think such a security argument. The people say, oh, the executives just don't understand risk management. Um, you know, the I'm sorry, but executives don't usually get to be at the top of a company um, by being stupid. Mm-hmm. They just don't. Um, but probably they don't understand your heat map because it makes no sense because it's inherently senseless. Right. So <laughs> I get why they wouldn't understand. That. Yeah. So um, for companies that want to go into quantitative analysis and you know what you need to understand like a histogram and S curve and so I help. Um, I'll do that. Um, and I probably spend a lot of my time pointing out the BS that is out there. Um yeah, I'm a little bit vocal about that.
0: Is there any broad BS that we haven't talked about already that you want to call out? Oh, um
1: the the in, in heat maps, you know, the, the I don't mind heat maps as much as so much when you just leave things as low, medium, high, low, medium, high, and, and probability and impact, and say, yeah, this is low, and that's medium, so boom, boom. I don't mind that. I really mind hmm. when you start putting scores on stuff. You say, oh, um, low probability is a score of one, and medium is a score of three, and high is a score of five. And we have one, two, three, four, five, and then we do the same for impact. But when we do probability, we go from zero to 20% is one, 20 to 40% is two, 40 60 is three. So we, we get in a linear scale. Mm-hmm. and then on the other scale for impact we don't go zero to one million one to two million two to three million which would be linear as well no we go from zero to ten thousand ten thousand to a hundred thousand hundred thousand to million and that's that's an exponential scale and then we take these two sets of scores and add them or multiply them and you cannot add or multiply scales where one is on an exponential one is on a linear mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so a Two things that are both a 12, if it's got a probability on score of four, sorry, a probability scale of four, impact scale of three versus vice versa, these can be five times bigger and yet have the same score, one five times bigger than the other. So I think that's a nonsense we should very much
0: avoid. Um, Yeah, that would be my my biggest bits of BS that's out there um at alex's thing as well so we can do that but is there anything else that you want to leave the audience with um well
1: yeah go to raw 21 um that's going to be interesting and i'll be talking about something quite different maybe check out a few of my um linkedin posts some of them are funny Hmm. at least i'm told some of them are quite serious yeah yeah they're good (laughs) um don't buy my book unless you're really a mathematician because it's 720 pages uh, of quite dense mathematics. Um, and don't characterize me by that book if you do buy it. Uh, because, <laughs> although that's something I do. Um, uh, you know, It's just, a, it's a tool to, to an end. So if I was to leave you with one message, it would be, don't. if you're thinking about risk quantification, um, should we do risk quantification? don't think this. Don't think, should we do risk quantification? Think, should we change our risk management into something that is a decision-making tool? And if you think that, so you think what the bottom line is, what do we want to get out of it? Then it will inevitably lead you back to saying, we need to start using numbers properly. Um, And And if you do go down that road, then just go to, maybe check out archerirm.com where the Archer platform has got this new insight capability, which will help you get there. Um, And if you're a small company and you're not going to buy a great big GRC system, um, that's fine too. Just try using some basic spreadsheet calculations, um, use some numbers. You can, in fact, uh, on the Vose software website, you will find a number of different, really simple examples of some, um, of some models that you could use for, for risk management, risk templates, really simple. Um, it, you won't break your head. You will be able to understand it. So, yeah, I encourage you to look at risk, quanti- risk quantification, and it's a means to an end, but the end is very, very useful.
0: And to Archer IRM, you're saying has um, kind of that list of models that we can go?
1: No, so vote Software,
0: so I um, apologize if you
1: don't know, but I, I, I wear two hats, with right. Software.com. Um So you can go and look in example models that are on online there. Um, and then we've got um, my other hat, I'm VP of risk management at Archer. There you can see um, this uh, product we have, which we just released, which I'm very, very proud of because it really is quite a quantum leap in, in GRC, integrated risk management, mm. whichever you want to call it, they're both applicable. It's a quantum leap taking what we had before in the risk management, all that good stuff, the auditing and everything, the, um, the listing of risk, et cetera, but turning it into a really valuable decision-making strategic uh, tool. Um, and I think I'm hoping very much that people will see the light there and see that how valuable, (laughs) how important it is to manage your risk. Goodness me, you know, COVID-19 should have taught us something about managing risk. I'm sure it has. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, I recall looking at the, uh, your website also. So your, your, your other, uh, hat is where we could find kind of that list of models that you were talking about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. From that list of models, a recommendation I would make, and you mentioned, you know, using uh, just spreadsheets, um, whatever it is, if you Google the name of that model, like if you literally, if you just Google Monte Carlo Excel, there's a video out there that shows you how to do that, you know, and, and depending on the situation, maybe you might need something more robust, but if nothing else, it's a good way to just understand concepts and what's going on with, with some of this risk, these risk management math. Um, techniques, if that's appropriate to call it, I'll, I'll call it yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the 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 great
1: beauty of Monte Carlo simulation, which is basically where a computer is generating thousands, thousands, automatically thousands of different scenarios and showing you what the distribution of results might look like, is that it has taken away the need for people to understand much of the underlying math. Mm-hmm. They just say, "Hey, this variable can be between A and B, most likely C." and this one similarly, and I want to add them together. And you go add this plus this, that's the output. This goes to yeah. computer, this is what it looks like. And I said, voila, you didn't have to do any um, concatenation, mathematical concatenations or anything, it's very easy.